Hey there, top fans. It is Bill and Jackson with our Decade Series coming to you uh, this evening. Jackson, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Huh? Little 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 chilly up here. Big big storm across the country right now. So, but luckily Lancaster's a little bit out of the the snow cone, so we're we're just getting a bit of rain. But doing pretty good. <laughs> there you go. It's, and it's been a rough day out here in California. It was like 64 today. So I'm that. assuming that you're having that same problem. Uh, minus, yeah, take it, take 30 degrees, maybe. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, tonight we get to take on the decades of the 40s. And there is so much to talk about. And as we go through, I've already expressed to Jackson before we started this podcast, how doggone frustrated I was because there are so many people that you could talk about that played in the earth of the late forties, but you're really going to talk about them in the fifties. And so we'll get to that, but um, Jackson, I'm going to let you lead off tonight. I mean, yeah, before we start, you know, always like subscribe. If you're not subscribed, if you actually want to hear more from us, if you don't want to hear more from us uh, and you're still listening at this point, <laughs> kudos, you made it this far. Um, you know, you, you can float a dislike if you want, if they still let you do that. I don't, know if they let you do that on Spotify or on our website. I know YouTube doesn't let you do it anymore, but you can just do whatever you want. We're all here about the discourse. We're here to have fun. Um, we're glad you're listening. Uh, okay. Don't want to drone on too long. Just remember, we do have our, our hats in the shop. Uh, we're getting two new colors in. Uh, I believe it's charcoal on black and yep. uh, navy on navy. This hat. And actually, Jackson, white on white. And white on white. Ooh, for... All you people who like that nice, clean look. Yeah. And like, if you like white hats, I personally do not like white hats. <laughs> but hey, use, use code Jacks and you can get 10% off. Um, you know, just grab yourself a top fan hat if you're a top fan. There you go. There you go. We love it. Yeah, they're in the team store right now. The white on white logo will be on there uh, in the next couple of days. Um, but like Jackson said, we just bought, uh, brought in two new colors and that's, Great. And use Jackson's code. Would you let, let Jackson take the 10% off for you? I mean, yeah, why on. pay full price in this crazy inflation time, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll float it to you. It's 10% off, man, for free. No strings attached. No strings attached. You don't yeah. even have to listen to me drone on for the next 30 minutes. You can just put the And if you're, that, if you're that excited about it, Jackson may even autograph it for you for free. <laughs> sure, why not? All right, Jackson, it's time to talk about the 40s. Let's do it. The 40s. All right. Am I leading off or are you leading off of the player? No, no, no. You go ahead. You did. You talked about the hat, so you go ahead and lead off. All right. I'm going to start with Hal, Hal Newhauser. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. You're starting on the mound. Yeah, starting on the mound. You know, I like my obscure pitchers. Uh, another Detroit Tiger. I, I swear every single time we do one of these, I get – multiple Detroit Tigers in every decade just baffles me how the Detroit Tigers don't lead everything in world series because they've had so many great players over the years, but how uh, new Hauser is a funny looking pitcher. If you look at his stats, because for the first couple of years in the forties, you know, four, eight, six ERA in 1940, four, seven, nine in 1941. Then he really starts to put it together, followed up with the two, four, five. And then 1945, I know it's, you can cite, that the talent was down because a lot of players that you'll hear on this list, a lot of the stars were off fighting in World War II, but 1.81 ERA against any competition is fantastic. Uh, 212 strikeouts, which is just absolutely ridiculous. 
even by today's standards, 313 innings. I mean, he followed up the next year when all those guys were back, 1946, 1.94 ERA. Uh, so he won 170 games over the decade with a 2.84 ERA. Really rode a strong three-year stretch from 1944 through 19, I guess four-year stretch from 1947. Just a nice, solid pitcher. Multiple-time All-Star. He, he was. And, and you know what was interesting about him, too, is you start to look because now we're starting to see the home run come in, right? In the dead ball era, we weren't talking home runs. We were talking pitching, right? But one thing about, about Hal that I loved was his strikeouts per nine innings, 5.8. So he's getting almost six strikeouts per nine innings, yeah. which that doesn't sound like much these days when you guys got guys out, you know, given, you know, 10, 12 strikeouts a game. But if you look at it over a season, Six strikeouts per nine innings isn't bad. I mean, you were talking about the home run era. I mean, 0.3 home runs per nine for the decade. It's absolutely fantastic. You know, just sounds like a good strikeout and a good pitch to contact pitcher, mm-hmm. which I mean, in the old Detroit stadium, probably pretty easy because it's cavernous. It still is cavernous, but it's not quite as cavernous as, <laughs> as it once was. Yep. No, agreed. Agreed. All right. So then I'm going to take you. Uh, from there, I'm going to go to uh, to a Joe, but not the one that everybody's thinking of, Joe Gordon. Joe uh, Gordon. He did play for the Yankees. He did play for the Indians. Uh, um, MVP 1942. And Jackson brought up a good point if you if you didn't catch it. A lot of these players were off fighting the World War II. So it's really, really hard to look at a decade and say, wow, they only got this many hits and we're talking about them. Well, guess what? Some of them are gone for two or three years, right? Um, and we appreciate their service. Uh, uh, Joe Gordon was interesting in, in his statistics. He was a seven-time All-Star, uh, got 1,578 hits in that decade, had an OPS of 807, and um, he had a 181 home runs. So, you know, he averaged 18 home runs over a 10-year span, right? And, you know, he was he was making the All-Star team. So there you go. There's a Joe for you. I mean, yeah, he played second base, good power from the second base position. Um, yep. Like you said, he was an All-Star. Every year in the 40s, he wasn't off in World War II. <laughs> so yep. pretty good. He was probably an All-Star on the, on the military teams as well, let's be real. So. <laughs> probably their best hitter. All right, I'm so. gonna jump. I'm gonna jump over to an, another hitter. Let's hop on over here. I got. Is this the right? One? Yeah, Charlie Keller, another New York Yankee. Hey, I like it. Hey, the the Yankees were good in the '40s. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Following up their dominance in the '20s and '30s, the Yankees were very good in the '40s. I mean. He didn't play 1944 military service, but he had a really solid decade uh, at 280. He only hit 281, which is kind of low for a lot of the guys we feature on here, but he had a 926 OPS because he had a 406 on base percentage. You know, he was uh, four or five time all-star for the decade. Um, he led the league in walks twice, walked over a hundred times, five times in the decade, yeah. just a solid, reliable on base guy for, like I said, a good Yankees team in that decade. Just had under a thousand hits, but still averaged over a hundred hits a year. Averaged almost 
75 walks a year. So found ways to get on base. I like it. I like it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take us over uh, to somebody that it's you think of him in the '50s, but he had a good good playing career in the um, in the '40s, and it's not so much the numbers wise that he had; it was more what he did on and off the field. So I'm gonna take us to Pee Wee Reese over in Brooklyn. Right. Um, you know, he, he, the best he ever did was hit 284, uh, two seasons in a row. He had 981 hits over the decade, which isn't necessarily lighting the world on fire. Uh, but you have to respect the way that he played the game. He was one of those guys who just showed up, you know, laced it up and said, put me in coach. I want to go. I want to play. Just show me what I need to do. He was also, and we're going to talk about somebody at the end of this, um, at the end of this episode, that Pee Wee had a very big influence on, and we'll come back to Pee Wee in a second. But I, I think Pee Wee for what he did on and off the field this decade, you got to mention him, right? His numbers may not have been as odd as some of these guys that we're going to talk about, but he's worth mentioning in my book. Yeah, I mean. His numbers aren't super crazy. Like you said, he played played second base, so second base shortstop. It, infielders tended to be light hitters unless they played first or third base. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to go with another light-hitting, pl- light-hitting player, uh, a Hall of Famer, Enos Slaughter. Woo! St. Louis ball. Cardinal. Uh, I mean, for the decade, hit a pretty good decade. He Three years in the military, so keep that in mind. So this is a five-year period. He had 1,190 hits, 200 doubles, 84 triples, 95 home runs, 392 on base, 484 slugging. So that's an 876 OPS for you, uh, you mathematicians out there. Average 68 walks a year. Only struck out 32 times a year. So, I mean, just a solid top-of-the-order guy. I mean, he went on to play <laughs> until 1960 after this, so – one of those longevity guys, but a really good player in his prime. I mean, he missed his age 27, 28, 29 seasons off of World War II. So he could have had crazier numbers than he already had. Yeah. He left he left when, after the year after he led the league in hits and triples. So yeah. No, it's it, it it's funny for you top fans that are listening to this, it's funny. Jackson and I both do research. We don't compare notes. And we hear it as you're hearing it. So it's funny when you hear us say, well, that was on my list too. I swear to you, we don't prepare notes together. Maybe we should, maybe it'd be more fun for you to listen to, <laughs> but it, pro- we don't. it probably it's, sound less disjointed sometimes, <laughs> but. Yeah, but it's because it's what we saw in the decade. Right. And neither Jackson and I were live in the forties. When we get to the two thousands or the nineties, we're going to have some fun with those too. But in even the eighties, but um yeah, so good call. I had him there too. I'm gonna go back to the bump for a second, Jackson. I'm gonna go to to Bob who? Bob Feller? Yeah. Go to Bob Ooh. Feller. Uh Cleveland Indian, uh five-time all-star, 137 wins, 82 losses, ERA of 2.90. Again, this isn't a time where where guys are smacking the ball around a little bit. So you have an ERA under three. Uh you're having uh 
you're not doing so bad. The numbers that surprised me the most or, or that stand out to me the most, 155 complete games during that time frame. That is crazy. That's 15 a season. Stop and think of nowadays what what we see. If a guy completes three games in a season, we're thinking, wow, he's lights out, right? But this guy completed, you know, on average 15 games a season. Not only that, he had 1,396 strikeouts during that 10-year span, and his strikeouts per nine innings, 6.6. So I definitely think he's somebody worth talking about. I mean, yeah, just another one of those players that he missed really burst onto the scene in 1939, 1940, 1941. You know, he kind of just got better every year. Took three years off because of the war, came back and helped the Indians on the stretch in 1945. And then just kind of picked up where he left off in 1946 and 1947. And it's hard. I know you can imagine because back then they had guys, they played baseball in the armed forces for fun, you know, but they still had to do their military duty. So it's like, it's not like these guys were out there playing baseball every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably played most off days they could, but to take three years off like that from a professional, you know, you're playing against a bunch of Marines or a bunch of sailors. It's a lot different than facing guys who go up against major league pitching. So, well, it's, it, it, and you're so right about that. I mean, that's, it's like being in the backyard playing a wiffle ball game. Right. And, you know, I'm pitching against you or you're pitching against me versus being in the backyard playing a wiffle ball game with Walker Buehler pitching or Max Scherzer. Like, it's not a, a competition, right? You're not at your best talented, guys. Yeah, no. So, it, it again, it, the, the big emphasis on this decade is a lot of guys left and served in the military to fight World War II. And, I mean, prime years. A lot of these guys' prime years. Bob Feller is age 23, 24, 25, which is – those are prime years for a pitcher. Once they have it figured out, they have it figured out by the age of 22. Those are three really good developmental years for a pitcher to just get better and better. So agreed. Agreed. But yeah. All right. I'm going to stay on the bump. He's kind of a, a fringe honorable mention. I'm sure we'll talk about him more on the, the next episode of this, but I can't, as a Braves fan, I can't just not mention Warren Spawn, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest left-handed <laughs> pitcher in major league <laughs> history. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Dodgers fans. It's not Clayton Kershaw. It's Warren Spawn. Well, I have a list of honorable mentions, Jackson, and he's at the very top of that honorable mention list because of when he played. I mean, we'll talk about him in the 50s. If we don't talk about him in the 50s, every one of you top fans, feel free to unsubscribe to anything. Yeah. We will talk about Warren Spawn in the 50s. Yeah, his, his 1950 stat line alone, I was just looking at it and it, Wow. Yeah. But he, he was pretty good in the 40s, too. Uh, came up as a 21-year-old in, in 1942, pitched in four games. Took three years off to go fight in the war, then came back in 1946. Only pitched in 24 games there. Had a 2.94 ERA. Then his age 26 season, 2.33 ERA. Led the league in shutouts with seven. Uh, 289 and two-thirds innings. Faced the most batters. Had the best whip in the league was an all-star. I mean, he finished top 10 in MVP voting several times. Mm-hmm. I mean, his numbers speak for himself. Warren Spawn, 
you know, I'll, I'll talk about it next week, but I'll give you a preview. Just remember, spawn insane, pray for rain when you face the Braves in the late 40s, early 50s is what the ah, saying was. Ah, ah. That one-two punch was that good. <laughs> you know, Jackson, you might want to consider doing an episode. You just brought me brought me an idea. We might want to consider doing an episode, a bonus episode, uh, sometime of the best one-two punches in baseball history. You know, punches. Th- that would be fun. Um, any, anyone listening can feel free to comment your your favorite one-two pitching duos, be it starting pitchers or bullpens, because I know the bullpens, the eighth inning, ninth inning duos have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of iconic duos out there. You can put them down. I'm willing to discuss it. And it'd be a fun one to do on in between our decade series because then you don't have to hear about the same decades in order. We can kind of mix it up and you can hear about some more modern players. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll put that into the rotation. Cause I, I'm starting to think of things like Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson, the 2001 diamondbacks. Right. Yeah. I, I threw bullpen in there. Cause I remember as a kid, I went to a Padres game with my dad and it was Heath Bell, Trevor Hoffman. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah. that was an iconic duo early 2000s Padres. You know, and- all you Dodger fans, don't worry. I'm standing up for us right now. Yes, we hated that because <laughs> we knew how bad that was. Well, yeah, once Hell's Bell started playing, you knew it was over, man. <laughs> All right, so jumping back into this decade, we've got some pretty easy ones here. I'm going to take a, a shot at one of the easy ones. Um, and, and Jackson and I talked offline beforehand, and we're going to do a – a very interesting one, a bonus episode that comes out of the 40s. So be looking for it. Um, we're going to have uh, two people on to debate who should have won the um, MVP in 1941. So I'm going to list off one of the players, and I'll let Jackson do the other one. I'm going to go with Jolton Joe Jamaggio. Um, Joey D, uh, you know, when you think of baseball and you think of New York baseball, you got to think of, Joe DiMaggio, he's one of those guys. Um, two MVPs, seven All-Stars uh, over that 10 years, 1,156 hits, batting average for the, the decade, 325. Slugging um, was 568, and his OPS was just a mere 972. Um, when you think of baseball, there are names that just automatically come off the tongue, and Joey D is one of them. Right. And so uh, that I'm going with Joey D now. Jackson, do you want to do the uh, the flip side to that one? Yeah, the flip side, the guy that should have won MVP in 1941. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Woo. Okay. So all of you, all of you Yankee fans, I will give you Jackson's address if you need to send him hate mail. It's okay. No. Go ahead, I mean, Jackson. It, Ted Williams. I mean, um, I, I know Joe DiMaggio had a pretty good decade, but. Ted Williams was otherworldly for his career, especially this decade. His OPS for the decade was 1143. And he didn't play three years because he was <laughs> flying a flying Marine pilot. <laughs> and his numbers are just disgustingly good. And what really shocks me is the walks. He registered 147 walks in 1941, 145 in 1942, 156 in 1946. 162 in 1947. He walked 
and he played only seven seasons in the decade, but he yeah. walked 994 times. <laughs> yeah. Well, hitting no, he's 356 with a 496 on base, a 647 slugging. And his, his 1941 season, I mean, pretty much sums up the kind of hitter Ted Williams was. 185 hits, 33 doubles, 37 home runs, 120 RBIs, 147 walks. He hit 406 with a 553 on base, 735 slugging. That's a 1287 OPS. Does it get any better? Does it get any better? I mean, I, I took a peek and it. I mean, it probably helped that he had Jimmy Fox in the lineup with him, but it, that's that's ridiculous numbers, no matter who's batting in front or behind you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm going to take another easy one, Jackson. All right. And then um, I'm going to take an easy one, and then I'm going to let you you take your your uh, your final pitch if you like, or your final final cut. All right. Um, and then I'll wrap this up. So my next easy one, Stan the Man. Oh, I was Major. wondering when he's going to show up. I mean, three-time MVP for the decades. <laughs> exactly. Three-time MVP, six-time All-Star, 1,432 hits, 302 doubles, 300 – I'm sorry, 108 triples. 108 triples. I mean, this guy, it, it, 346 batting average, 578 uh, slugging. Uh, a mere thousand oh five uh, OPS. I mean, there's a reason why they call him the man, right? Want to know my favorite thing? I learned about Stan Musial doing research today. Go ahead. He was a pitcher in the Cardinals farm system until they he switched was. him over. And I want to know whoever figured out to put that man at the plate. Whoever put him should have found whoever put him on the mound. Mm-hmm. And smacked that guy around because. How are you having a guy that hits this well trying to pitch? Yeah. No, it's I, I mean, some of these players that we're talking about are golden age players. They're they're when you think of baseball, you're gonna think of Ted Williams, you're gonna think of Joey D, you're gonna think of Stan Musial, and you're gonna think of um a bunch of the honorable mentions that we'll mention um here in a second. But uh I and most most of those guys are fifties, players in the fifties. Um, but Stan was incredible, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, just consistency. Just He had over 40 doubles. Mm-hmm. It's like five times in the decade. That's really hard to do. Yeah. yeah. 40 double season. 20 triples in 1943 on top of 48 doubles. Yeah. I mean, he had the kind of gap power that you want from an RBI guy. I'd, I'd take that over a, a pure power hitter all day because – at the end of the day, that's what scores runs. He drove in a lot of them. He scored a lot of them. 230 hits in 1948. So he was a, a really well-rounded hitter, a well-rounded baseball player. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting when you're looking at guys like him and you're looking at Ted Williams, you're looking at Joey D. Um, to do it one season, all right, okay. But to be so consistent like Stan was or Ted was or Joey D was, that's what's so impressive to me. <laughs> I mean, it was – you just kind of got used to, hey, this guy's going to hit – have close to 200 hits every season. Yeah, Pay attention, I mean, right? Well, the last couple we mentioned, I mean, bar Joe DiMaggio because of, of injury, these guys played through the 50s all the way up to almost 1960. Like a lot of these guys played – 
-hmm. 15 to 20 years professionally. So, you know, you could argue that they accumulated stats per se in quotations there, but they really earned their spot just because consistency, their numbers are so big. It's damn usual. Just was a hitting machine. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Okay. Let's pause before we do your, your last cut, Jackson. Um, let's mention some of the honorable mentions. Do you have a couple of your honorable mentions that maybe played in the 40s, but we're going to really nail in the 50s? Uh, yeah, Ralph Kiner. Yep. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirate, for those of you who don't know. Uh, he hit 168 home runs over a four-year span, which, <laughs> wow. Yep. Wow is a good word. Wow is a good word. 618 hits, 78 doubles, 17 triples, drove yep. in 458 RBIs. At a 966 OPS. Yep. Um, somehow finished fourth in MVP voting in 1949 with a 1089 OPS. Yep. I would probably want to go in and dive and see two or the three guys ahead of him. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Stan, Stan Usual won MVP in 1949, I think. I just closed this tab, so I parted, parted my stats. But yeah. This is why we call him the stat guy, ladies and gentlemen. Because <laughs> he can find the stuff that ain't nobody else finding. Uh, yeah, I got I to fact check that now. Oh, Stan Usual finished second that year. That's right. That was like what what the first of his three runner-up seasons. Who, who won the MVP <laughs> that season? Uh, give me one second, guys. There you go. Uh, Ted Williams. Uh, okay, he was okay. I, uh, yeah, I just had his tab up too. <laughs> make makes sense. <laughs> he was makes safe. Sense. he was okay. Uh, it was Ted Williams and then oh National League, so it was Jackie Robinson actually beat Ralph Kiner that year. It looks like he was okay too. I mean, just was, a little bit. He was okay too. Um, any other honorable mentions that you have out there? Uh, I got Bill Nicholson. Interesting. I did not put him up there, but okay. Uh, he played right field for the Cubs predominantly. Cubs. Uh, he's on my list because notably he is one of three national leaguers all time to lead the league in home runs and RBIs in consecutive years. Okay. Uh, with Nolan Arenado and uh, who's the other one? Mike Schmidt are the only two other national leaguers to lead the league in home runs and RBIs back to back years like that. So I just thought that was interesting. So he, he made my honorable mention list, but the eight thirty four OPS for the decade wasn't just because of his two good years there you go so i've i've got four names all of which we'll talk about in the 50s but they played in the 40s and you would think hmm, eh, okay why not um yogi berra right. we're gonna have to bring him up in the 50s whitey chairman of the board ford right duke snyder <laughs> yeah. carl erskine of course, I didn't leave New York, but, yeah. you know, it's between New York and, and Brooklyn. But those are four players. When you hear those names, you they're synonymous with baseball. But um, if you look at their stats, they really – they either came up in 47 or 46 or didn't get much playing time in 47 or 48, but had really good careers. See, I thought Yogi had a really, like, dynamic career in the 40s, too. His big years were in the 50s, and so was Whitey Ford's. And so, I mean, these are all guys that 
that I it's worth mentioning <laughs> and that we're going to talk about in our next decade series, but definitely worth mentioning. So, um, all right, Jackson, you want to take your final cut? All right. Uh, of course, I got to stick with the, the first black player in the American League, Larry Doby. Okay. Uh, played for Cleveland. I mean, he only played a couple of years in the decade in Major League Baseball, came up in 47. Uh, he played 59 games, or 29 games, excuse me, and didn't have a very good stint and start in 1947, but 1948, posted an 873 OPS, over 121 games, hit 301. Mm-hmm. And then he followed up with a, another great campaign the next year, 24 home runs, 85 RBIs, and an 857 OPS. And he was an all-star in 1949. So, uh, a pioneer for the American league, a really good player. I mean, he might pop up on the fifties list. He, he might've been good in the fifties. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> he had a couple good, had a couple good years. I see, I see some bold numbers on his baseball reference page. So he, he might've done some things. There, there, you, go. there La- you go. Larry, Larry Doby. I, I'm just going to put it out. He's um, the player. You, I'm sure you're about to mention the one that everyone's waiting for. Um <laughs> Uh, Larry Doby is kind of just like the underrated because he came he came second, and you know it wasn't easy for him, but you know he put a nice career together for himself. He's probably one of the most underrated players of his time, yeah. and it's good that he's he's in the Hall of Fame because he is a Hall of Fame caliber player. There you go, there you go. Well, Jackson, you know what I'm going to say, but everybody's waiting on this. I love the fact that you mentioned Larry. Uh, I got to mention Jack Roosevelt Robinson. Um, to me, regardless of what he did on the field, and I, I'm going to give you some stats here in a second, but regardless of what he did on the field, what he did for the game, I don't think is un, is is matched anywhere. And um, Jackie came up, obviously, April 15th, 1947, uh, played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. In fact, when Top Fan Rivalry's website first started, it was supposed to be uh, a rivalry between an Angel fan and a Dodger fan. I was the Dodger fan. And all we were going to do was talk about why the Angels or the Dodgers are better than the other team. I may branch out to so much more than that. But my very first article that I wrote, I said that the Angels or that the Dodgers are better than the Angels because we have Jackie Robinson. In the decade of the 40s, 548 uh, hits. 38 doubles in both 1948 and 1949. The guy could move. Um, 203 hits in 1947. And he hit 342 in 1947. So when we get into the 50s, we'll talk about his base stealing, I'm sure. And I'm sure we can talk about Yogi Berra and Jackie Robinson. Uh, When Yogi says that Jackie was out stealing home plate in the World Series and Yogi Jackie said I was called safe and I was safe. Um, but what Jackie did for the game is far beyond the Brooklyn Dodgers or the Yankees or any team. And so, and because of Jackie, we have phenomenal players, some of which we've, uh, we'll be talking about in the 50s and 60s and 70s, like Roy Campanella's, like the Don Newcombs, you know, some of those players. So, Jack Roosevelt Robinson, any thoughts on Jackie Jackson? I mean, I talked about Ralph Kiner finishing uh, runner-up and MVP, and how do you do that with the 1068 OPS? I mean, it's because Jackie Robinson had a really solid season for a really good Dodgers team. I mean, he posted a 960 OPS, so it's not like 
he was a slouch by any means, but 124 RBIs with only 16 home runs. That, that's MVP. That's MVP stuff right there. Yeah, <laughs> clutch yeah, hit. You have 140 home or RBIs. You better be knocking in 50. You be knocking the ball out of the ballpark 50 or 60 times. But Jackie was putting it in play, right? With yeah, guys I mean, on. just a great leadoff, great leadoff hitter. You know, deserving of the MVP. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. Uh, well, top fans, this has been one of those lively ones. There is so much more that we could have covered in this decade, but when it gets into the 50s, it's going to get fun. Um, look for those two bonus episodes that we were talking about uh, coming up. Jackson, I think we're going to have a great time when we get into the 50s, and and those bonus episodes will be will be phenomenal as well. But um, top fans, thanks for listening. By all means, uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, go over to our our website and subscribe. Give us your information. We send out emails about things that are happening, different uh, programs. Top Fan is actually uh, going to be doing some charity things here shortly, uh, and we'll be able to notify you about how those are going to be taking place. Also, go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, and once this goes up on YouTube, tell us what you think. If we miss something and you think we're crazy, it's fine. We can take it. You know, most people already know that I'm crazy. Jackson, they like me. They know I'm crazy. So what do you know? Anyways, top fans, it's been great having you listening in. And uh, we'll definitely talk to you soon. Jackson, you have a good one. And, and let's do it again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, we'll talk soon. All right.